Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Jones. Bowden. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Stokes flashes it away through the covers for four. And England have won the match. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. Uh, we're focusing, of course, on the World T20 today. The group stages or the early qualifying stages are nearly complete. And congratulations to Scotland for getting into the main draw for the first time in a World T20 tournament. That was a real emotional evening, actually, in Muscat, where they beat Oman by eight wickets. It's just uh, the match has just completed and there were some real bear hugs amongst the Scottish players uh, clinching that uh, last, well, one of the last places in the, the Super 12 section of this World T20. And uh, we'll have a little, little look at the Scottish team. Of course, we're going to talk about England as well, who start their campaign on Saturday against the West Indies. We've also got Nasser Hussain on this show today. He was a, our guest in the Virtual Cricket Club on Wednesday, and he was talking in forthright terms about whether Owen Morgan should drop himself. So uh, some fascinating stuff to come. But first, Simon, I guess we should just congratulate Scotland, shouldn't we? A superb effort for them to get through to the, the, the Super 6 stage. I mean, the key victory was against Bangladesh uh, last Sunday. And it was a, a you know, really competent Scotland performance. Uh, well, after a fashion, they were 53 for six. And to win a game from 53 for six, batting first, takes some doing. So, you know, it was a great effort to... To win from there i think the win predictor was something like four percent when scotland were 53 for six they got up to 140 and then bangladesh were really timid in their reply the early stages of their reply and they just they just were too far behind the rate they needed 24 off the last over uh, they scored 17 and in, you know that a memorable victory for scotland to take down you know a, a full test playing nation like like bangladesh and that has set them on the way uh, to qualifying they beat Papua New Guinea by 17 runs again, got a bit closer than they, they might have liked. And, but an absolute thrashing of Oman under pressure. It was, it, it was a win or go home situation under pressure. 
there was no doubt they restricted Oman and then knocked him off with, I mean, two or three absolutely vast sixes. I know we sort of use a lot of hyperbole in T20 cricket, but I mean, there was hundred meter sixes. One of one was over the pavilion. I mean, it was, it was, um, it was a really clinical job. And now they get to play India and Pakistan and, and New Zealand. Which is absolutely what they need, isn't it? Um, you know, if you're going to progress as a country, you've got to play the top nations as, as often as you can. So a brilliant opportunity for them. I thought some of those shots, especially from Richie Barrington, were they like they were like golf shots. And of course, Scotland is famous for its for its golf. So you know, maybe they're introducing the, the, the golf skill, the golf driving ability into into cricket. It's good to see. And one one other little point about that game, and and in fact the tournament overall, it's it marks the debut, of course, of Oman staging some of these games, the match today in Muscat and a couple of others. And it's just a great thing to see, you know, another country staging international matches a world in a world context. Uh, it just shows actually that, you know, the game is slowly growing. And um, I mean, I, I did an interview the other day with Greg Barkley, the new chairman of the ICC, a Kiwi. And, and he was also talking in very positive terms about the future of the game and the growth of the game generally. Uh, we'll play the, some of his interview in a later podcast, but I just feel it, it's a, it, we're almost at a sort of inflection point in the game, aren't we? There's 86 countries now that are official T20 countries that are playing, you know, tournaments against each other or matches against each other. You do feel that the game is, is sort of spreading, actually, certainly in this format. And Scotland have just uh, well entered the, the big the big league now, which is which is great. Yeah, I mean, underlying in this format, I mean that that that's mm. something I think that um, worries traditionalists that you know T Twenty well is taking over, has taken over, it is becoming, has become whatever will become the the dominant uh, form of the game. And those people who love their Test cricket, love their first class cricket, will feel well, you know, how is how is it? going to go with that in the future and you know well we've we've talked about it many times in the past you you do worry for the future of, of test match cricket in a really sustained and sort of extensive way uh, you know, are these countries going to come in and play you know, the longer form of the game probably not it is going to be a, a well, t20 route probably well, yeah you probably you're right but in fact greg barkley made one very important point uh, he said new zealand were given their test status in 1926, they didn't play a test match until 1931 because there weren't any other formats of the game to play internationally uh, at that time anyway, and they didn't get a chance to play a test match until 1931. And they didn't win a test match till 1956. So it was 30 years before they won their first test. So, you know, some of these countries who are perhaps aspirational at test level, Afghanistan, Ireland, and, and maybe Oman in the future, and, and one or two others, Scotland, you know, they have to take time. They have to grow the base, and T20 is the way to grow the base. Uh, so, you know, just just be patient, and, you know, maybe we will get more test countries in the future, but not right now. Yeah, um, I don't quite share your optimism. I Just a very different world then. I mean, mm. I think that's the point. Okay. Yeah. That, yeah, that's that's what I feel. That it, the shorter form of the game mm. is going to be the, the dominant form of the game in the future. You know, what whatever we feel about it, it's going to be really difficult to sort of to almost like drag it back. And that sounds deeply pessimistic, possibly for those people who who love their Test cricket. I'm not saying Test cricket will die. I hope it won't. But I wonder whether it's got that extensive 
appeal mm. to you know to those de developing countries let's hope so i mean you love what you love is a world game you know with you know 40 teams all of a decent standard you know like you know like you have in football or you know we have more than 40 teams of decent standard can't you know, fit it in though can you the that's the trouble you, well, you know test cricket well, takes a long time so and it yeah. needs a lot of resource so you know you can't fit it in anyway listen we, we should talk about uh, the tournament uh, which really starts in earnest on saturday and I think one thing that I will say is, is quite interesting is the advent of Dew in the game because probably the first time in T20 World Cups that this has had such a big potential influence. 17 of the 25 IPL games played in the UAE in the last month finished with the team batting second, winning 17 out of 25. So what's that? 65, 70%. And it's... It, it, I mean, I went to Sharjah uh, recently and watched a game, Rajasthan Royals against Mumbai Indians. You know, there was clear evidence of due at half time. They dragged the, the, the rope round as they do in, in many countries to try and knock the top off the dew and get it sort of settling into the soil. Uh, it didn't make any difference. The ball slid on to the Mumbai Indian batsman and they polished off the, the victory quite easily. So it is going to be a factor, isn't it? Which means the toss is going to be also key. Yeah, England have been trying to mitigate this by putting balls in in buckets of water and 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 practicing bowling with wet balls and fielding and and, and catching with wet balls. I mean, it does seem it doesn't seem quite right in a way that you have something that's so skewed against uh, one of the teams uh, potentially. It wasn't so much of a problem in the early part of the IPL, but gradually as it gets a, a bit cooler in the evenings in the UAE, the, the dew uh, becomes mm. a factor. And, and, and you know, I, I think as well, the other point is that you'll see quite slow over rates. I mean, we see slow over rates already in T20s. Actually, uh, I thought Mike, Mike Atherton mentioned this in the, in the Times. It's something I've been going on about quite a lot recently. It's actually, T20s actually become the slowest form of the game, <laughs> bizarrely, because... Yeah. You know, well, they change the field every ball, don't they? Well, there's that, yeah, and and I think you know it could get slower with if you've got to dry the ball the whole time. I, you, you do wonder actually whether they, you know, whether you could have I don't know, four balls per innings or something like that. You might you might get to a stage. The, like the thing is, it's it's such a power orientated game and it's such a precision orientated game as well. I mean, bowlers know if they miss their uh, their length minutely, you know, the ball goes out of the ground, and it's not like that in Test cricket. You know, you can bowl. A half volley or a ball a bit wide and it might just get either hit to the field or left alone you don't have a left alone in t20 do you uh if you just get it slightly wrong as a batsman or a bowler you pay the penalty in t20 so uh, you can sort of see why they do spend more time getting the ball right getting the field setting right mm. yeah i mean i totally i can yeah i suppose i suppose the point is that when the game started it was supposed to be a sort of mm. you know quick fast product that you know, excited, but it's now become, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, short form chess almost now. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really quite, it's really quite slow. Although um, the chess analogy isn't, doesn't totally work because actually you can play speed chess and you can actually move quickly to get the, to run down your opponent's clock in chess. So let's, let's not get too deeply into that, but there, you know, it, it does feel like sort of, you know, chess now, T20 cricket a little bit. I wonder so, what the solution is. I mean, is it, to try and get the batsman out there quicker, you know, is it to get the bowler back to his mark quicker? I mean, there just needs to be a bit more urgency. It's fair well, enough to figure out the, the field, changing the field a bit, but 
there's still lacking lack, lacks urgency i think yeah i mean one one way is to find a team runs but then you then you might suddenly find yourself you know get to the 19th over you, you know you haven't you got 10 seconds to bowl a ball or whatever you don't bowl it and the other team's won because you know they've got had runs deducted in a way you want a climax don't you, you don't want to take away the climax of the match and they've tried finding teams it's, it, it's, it's not easy one 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 solution might be to you know keep bringing fielders in for every over you're behind bring a fielder in so you end up with you know next one two three extra fielders inside the ring if you don't get on with it anyway we let, let, let's hear from from nasa we had him in the virtual cricket club on on wednesday and we we started with the issue do actually say you know, does it actually just undermine the product if they you know if if, if there's so much due around I don't know if it detracts, but I do think you have to factor that in, definitely. And it's not something we talk about too much in England, maybe on finals day in the blast or something, we occasionally mention it. But it is different in this part of the world. And it affects, I mean, like for example, I know we'll probably come on to it, but England's selection. You know, England, if they wanted to play the extra batter and they can't decide between Milan and all the others, they could play the extra batter. But then you could end up with Adil Rashid, Moen Ali and Liam Livingston which is fine on an afternoon game with no dew. But if you lose the toss and you're fielding with a bar of soap and it's suddenly skidding on for the spinners, then it has affected. So it is quite interesting. Even India are talking about how many spinners they would play in an evening game. I do think it makes selection very tricky and it makes the toss. And that's your point, Simon. It does make the toss uh, vital of an evening game. Yeah. How well do you think England are going to go in this tournament? I mean, a lot of people saying you know, they're among the favourites, but they are missing two or three quite key players. Yeah, I think if you'd asked me this before, the and all of us actually, where were we before the World Cup, 50 over World Cup in England, you would say that England were standout favourites, the brand and style of cricket. And not only that, Jofra Archer came in and added to their quality of cricket um, and barring a miracle or some slip-up in a knockout game, you felt that they would be there at the final. And this one, they're slightly further back from that because of what you said. There is no Joffre Archer. There is no Ben Stokes. You've got a couple, two or three players, maybe more, they're out of Nick. Obviously, the skipper himself, David Milan, Chris Jordan, even Liam Livingston hasn't got many runs since leaving England and having a wonderful summer. So there are a few question marks, but you feel with this white ball side. They are a tournament side. And come Saturday, I think they'll get their tournament uh, heads on and, and I think they'll be fine. But there's some top sides out here. Who, who do you think are the sides that, you know, most fancy? I mean, is it wide open? Is it is it six or seven teams? Although you know, when push comes to shove, actually, it will be two or three teams, you know, you know India, Pakistan, England. Or, or is it much wider than that? I, th I think India are the standout team not just because of conditions, not just because it's India, not just because of the names on the team sheet, but actually the form of those names on the team sheet, whether it be Rahul, who just every time he plays a T20 game gets runs, or Rohit. Virat's a little bit down on form, but a big match player. Ishan Kishan, Surya Kumar Yadav, Rishabh Pant, Jadeja, Ashwin, Shami, Bumrah. And in these conditions, that lineup just looks fantastic. So they have a, a group of players that is uh, that are in fantastic nick but then you know india as we've seen in icc tournaments they then get to a knockout stage and suddenly all those gun batters at the top of the order have been so good they may not have a plan b they're suddenly 20 for three 
Um, and those middle order players haven't batted much because they've been breezing through the group stages. So I think in knockouts is where India are going to really find the true value of, um, of tournament play. Um, but Pakistan are a good side. West Indies, as the pitches die, the power hitting in that West Indies side. Um, New Zealand, no one talks. We did a podcast for Sky yesterday and we hardly mentioned New Zealand. And as we ended the podcast, I thought, we should have mentioned New Zealand, but that's classic New Zealand. No one talks about them. And then suddenly they're in a final. So uh, the shorter the game, as you know, Simon, the shorter the game, the more chance of an upset. Yeah, that's, that's true. I, I wonder with India whether, you know, Bumrah is, is just, is the one thing that England haven't got, that, you know, they haven't got Jofra and, and India have got Bumrah, who just seems to be able to turn on in those key moments and, drive home the initiative and he's so consistent and so difficult to play and uh, and a multi-phase bowler so Bumra is a handful up front he swings it with that unorthodox action so you're trying to work out his action and he's swinging it then in the middle he'll come on if Kohli needs a wicket and obviously at the death with his Yorker bowling I guess the the closest England have now would be someone like Tamal Mills but he's so mm, far yeah. behind in in just in in caps for England because of injuries mm. that I loved him yeah. to have 50, 100 caps by now, but he's not. So uh, I think Tamal Mills in these conditions is a must play for me because England's right. death bowling, without yeah. Archer, England's death bowling has been poor of late. And I think Mills gives you that death option. What about Owen Morgan? I mean, he said the other day that he's he's prepared to drop himself. Now, Nassi, you, you've captained England in, in tournaments, you've captained England you know, in, in all sorts of games all, all, all around the world. And we were just... Talking earlier, actually, off air, Simon and I about the last England captain to drop himself. I, I remember Mike Dennis doing it in the 74 75 Ashes series. Is Owen Morgan seriously going to drop himself in the T20 World Cup? Is that, is that an option? No, I, I think he will be considering it because he always puts the team ahead of absolutely everything else and he values the team. But all I would say to Owen is if you are valuing the team and if the team is above everything else, ask yourself this question. In a World Cup, are the England cricket team, is the England cricket team better off to have Owen Morgan, the cool, calm, calculated, experienced captain out there in the middle under immense pressure with loads of experience? Are they a better off side with having Morgan there, irrespective of whether he's getting 10 in 10 balls or 50 in 30 balls? You cannot tell me in a World Cup, if this was a triangular or bilateral series, yeah, leave yourself out more, go and find some form. This is a World Cup. This is what they've prepared for years. And England are a better side with Morgan in it. And forget, you know, form is a very temporary thing, especially with Morgan. He's such a streaky player. Mm. He can go a year without getting runs and then suddenly from nowhere, he'll get 40 in 20 deliveries. So, yes, his form is a concern and you never want to carry a player. But, you know, Morgan in a World Cup is absolutely vital. His captaincy skills vital for him. In fact, um, he's, he's made a career out of streaky uh, periods of form, hasn't he? I mean, throughout his career, he's gone sort of surges of runs and then loads of dips and, you know, it's sort of valleys and peaks all the time. And I think, you know, as well as his influence on the England team, I reckon his influence on the opposition is now almost at that sort of brilliant. esque I, I reckon it's off-putting to other teams as well. 
yeah, and that, and I think his team realise that. So his team realises that whatever's happening within Owen Morgan, and you know, he may be paddling away under the water at a hundred mile an hour, but his persona, I think that carries over to the team. I think his team look at him in those pressure moments. His team look at him in that super over in a World Cup final when he takes time, and he also learns Owen. You know, that time in Kolkata when Ben Stokes bowls those four deliveries to Carlos Brathwaite, he. He said after that he should have taken time to go and sit and to stand and chat with Ben at the end of his run. He didn't. By the next World Cup mm-hmm. final, the 50 over, he took time to go to Jofra and listen to Jofra and ask Jofra. And I think that's why England need Morgan in these three weeks ahead. There will come a, a moment in this World Cup where the team will look at their captain and say, right, what are we going to do now? And I would prefer it to be Owen Morgan making that cool, calm, calculated decision. Yeah, of course. I mean, he took, he got helped guy Kakata Knight Riders to the IPL final as well. And they, you know, they finished fourth in the grid. They were going nowhere actually before yeah. they restarted uh, in the in the second half of the IPL and got them to the final. And in the end, you know, it was just a bit too much for them. They were outplayed uh, quite heavily. Actually, also in the final as well. You know, he's struggling for runs. Any the, the shot he got out to in the final, he absolutely nailed it. And then deep, I don't know if you've seen it, but Deepak Chahar on the boundary caught an unbelievable catch. It's sort of how it goes, isn't it, really? It is. And he had one today where there was only half an appeal in the warm-up game. I think Ish Tony yeah. sort of half appealed and he was given out. And he sort of, everyone, I was watching it thinking, how was that out? And he was sort of LBW. He was out LBW, I think. But it's, it's just when you're out and Nick, these sort of things. He's had a few drag-ons. The thing about Morgs is you just never know. For me, I was a fretter. So I'd be in a hotel room like this now watching video footage and fretting and speaking to people. You just don't know with Owen Morgan whether he just literally brushes it aside and gets on with the next game. It's a great place if you can just banish everything that's happened and the next time you go out to bat, just believe you'll get runs the next time. It's a lot. It's much more easier said than done. It is half the battle about being an international cricketer is if you can play those mind games with yourself. He tells a story of um, getting out for, I think he got out for 98 for, for Middlesex and he was furious with himself and went storming up the stairs past the committee room, swearing at the top of his voice and um, stormed up into the dressing room, th- hurled his bat and stuff. This is when he was quite young and John Embry, who was in the committee room at the time, who was the coach, took him aside and said, you know, don't ever be like that ever again. Do not, do not ever do that in, in a Lord's Pavilion or anywhere like that you know keep it or to keep it within more and he said he learned a massive amount from from that and for you I mean do you get as excited by T20 NAS as, as you do sort of for a test series and and how do you differ in the way that you commentate how is it different sort of preparation wise and delivery wise um I do get excited I'm, I'm a cricket you know sadder I get excited about every game of cricket really so um when you look back, if you're asking me if I look, when I look back, I can remember virtually every test match I either played in or worked on. A T20, as you know, you'll do it. And then if you ask me about the fifth round of the IPL or something or the, you know, the knockout stage of the IPL, I'm still trying to work out well who was in it and who were in the blast, who were the sides in the blast and what happened there and what happened in that game we did at Headingley. It's quite easily and quickly forgotten apart from the massive, the major games, the finals, the semi-finals, with test matches, because it's so long to build to a crescendo, 
you remember those moments for a long, long time. As far as working on it, I think you have to be more switched on. You turn up to England, India in the summer, you know 99% of England's side and their faults and their strengths. You know that about uh, the Indian side. You turn up to a world event like this and, you know, Afghanistan, Scotland, Ireland, if Oman gets through or Namibia or whoever, you better be pretty switched on because, as you know, yours or Simon, you turn up and suddenly, right, can you go and do an interview? Um, can you stay across it? But, um, you know, it is, and you have to be a bit more excitable. And sometimes with the world feed and when you work, when you work abroad and you work in India, you know, in England, you would have worked Yozza with, you know, the great Richie Benno and the mantra of less is more and let the pictures do the talking. You work in India and you put your microphone down for one minute and you will have someone in your ear shouting, you know, we pay you to talk. Uh, they love they love to hear their commentators. And even in the England-India series this summer, which was going out to India, you would get the odd tweet in or whatever. Isn't the commentary boring? And it probably was. But there's so, you know, you'd have Atherton and Holding on, not saying a lot, and just letting the pitchers do the talking. And they would want, they would want chat. They want stats. So commentary varies from uh, tournament to tournament, uh, format to format, and in parts of the world, I reckon. Do, do you find yourself you? so under pressure from the ICC in a way as a, as a commentator to say certain things or not say certain things? I think that's quite you know interesting for people to to learn. I mean, there was a Michael it was Mikey did something in the World Cup, didn't he? Uh, not he talked so about ago. no ball. He talked about um, calling no balls and um, blaming the umpire for missing them or something. Um, yeah. And he, he he basically took a stance saying, well. You know, you should illuminate that uh, when a no ball is missed by an umpire, and the ICC sort of told him off for for not for saying that or yeah. suggesting that. I, I don't, I don't think so. I, you know, that was one occasion, and thing after that, actually, they they did respond after that, saying we would like you to call it as you see it. You know, in that commentary box, you've got people. You know, there are stubborn people out there holding an Atherton of very stubborn people. You are not going to tell them. To, this is what you're going to say, and you're not allowed to say this. You know, this is not what they. This is not why they do the job, or I do the job. You're trying to do it. You're trying to call it as you see it. And if you don't want to employ me next week because I did that, and that goes for players as well. We're not cheerleaders for the team or any team. You shouldn't have any bias towards the team. You know, it shouldn't be we or us. Occasionally, I get it wrong. I got mm -hmm. it wrong in the summer when I had a bit of a rant on third man, and I said something like. I think it was the Oval game and uh, Joe Root was bowling Wokes and Jimmy into the ground on the fourth afternoon at Lords. And I did a third man and said, why aren't we bowling spin here? And I quickly corrected it to, well, why aren't England bowling spin here? Um, because you're supposed to be unbiased and, you're and it's very difficult when you've played and captained for England, but you're supposed to be unbiased. You're supposed to just call it as you see it. And if people don't like it, I'm talking about the people that hire you, then so be it, really. Nasser is saying talking passionately, as he always does. And I think passion is something that is, is really important, is what makes him such a, a fantastic commentator, actually, is he's so invested in the game and so impartial, actually, as well. You know, he talks... Uh, often about not using the word we or us or anything, trying to talk about both teams equally. But, you know, he makes does a lot of research. I had a, I had a lovely um, text from Rob Key, actually, 
because I was trying in the, the virtual club to ask one sneaky question. We have this quiz, don't we, every week with, with our guest, uh, how, how well do you know yourself? And I always like to try, probably to your annoyance, and ask a, a silly question, sort of slightly about them, their personality. Well, they're normally like, so imprecise, Yogs. Well, I know there's no kind of proper <laughs> answers. There's no concrete answer. If you ask someone what's your most irritating habit, it it depends, you know, what mood they're in and, you know, what day it is, I suppose. But um, I was uh, trying to find out what NASA's most annoying habit was. So I asked Rob Key, his, you know, sort of sidekick in the, in the commentary box, the sky box. And actually, Rob, to his great credit, said, NASA is one of the most conscientious and nicest people I've ever worked with. And he's extraordinary. And I can't think of anything terrible or annoying about him at all. So uh, we had to leave that question alone. And, and I, you know, he is incredibly passionate and he's incredibly knowledgeable. And he just he's just great to listen to, isn't he? He is. So what what did you make of his comments about Owen Morgan? That Owen Morgan saying the other day that he's prepared to drop himself. You know, if he if he doesn't get run, say in first two two or three games. Do you mm. think there will become a situation where he, he might contemplate and might actually do it? I, I don't actually. I, I mean I think he's got to say that to probably you know keep people off his back and and maybe just be honest, you know, that it, it is something that that obviously you have to consider. But I mean, firstly, he's never been a person who has consistency in his form. You know, he goes in, you know, sort of very stark kind of directions, either very good or very bad. But the other thing is the most important thing is, is, is the captaincy thing and the impact he has both on his team, giving his team huge amounts of confidence. And I think also the, the way he can undermine the opposition, they, they know he's there as a sort of X factor, as someone who doesn't get wound up. You know, look at Coley when he captains, he's he gets really sort of fractious and he goes up to a bowler who's gone for two fours and you can sort of see him with his hands on his hips looking a bit stern and that's just terrible for a bowler who gets more nervous and anxious as a result Morgan is just totally trusts his team you know he's relaxed he's composed he knows what he wants he will allow the bowler to to make his own decisions and he totally trusts them and 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 the, the opposition see him like that and see him in that completely phlegmatic unflappable sort of way and you know they sort of think God, even if they are winning the game, mm. it starts to bring self-doubts into their heads. So I think he's he's a massive bonus to England, even if he's not making runs, and he will make some runs somewhere. Mm. How much of that is an act, do you think? Is he, is he sort of taught himself to do that, to sort of strip himself of, of that emotion? And, and the other thing that, that comes to my mind is, underneath it all, it must eat away at him not scoring any runs. It's It's got to, because... Yeah, he knows there are lots of exciting, talented white ball batters, you know, around the English game, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm I suppose I'm thinking about the future a little bit. That there'll come a time when he might might say, "Well, actually, do I really justify my place in the in the side anymore with all this talent uh, around and about?" Mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, it, it is one of those situations how England select their team for this competition. I mean, it looks as if. You know, does, do they leave out Moen? Do they leave out, you know, with the damp ball situation? Do they leave out Moen? Do they leave out Milan, who's actually still the world number one rated uh, batter? You know, so they, they've got a, they, they haven't got some easy selection decisions to make. So it must, I wonder, you know, it does sort of eat away. I mean, you think, I, I really need us, I really do need a score here. It, it, would, it wouldn't be human if it didn't, surely. Mm. I, I think you can see the consternation in his face, actually, when he's batting. Mm. You know, that sort of extra concentration that he's putting in and the way he tells himself, watch the ball, watch the ball every time. And 
almost a slight frown on his face as he's trying to concentrate to the max to to, to make the, the the right decisions on on shot making. I think the the other players, the Joss Butlers, and you know the other teammates, is sort of more seasoned teammates will be constantly in his ear saying. You know, we need you, mate. You know, yeah. a good innings is just around the corner. And I mean, if I go back to the first time I ever met Owen Morgan when he was 16, he's he's got this habit of doing things out of the blue when you least expect it. So in that match, uh, some benefit match, you know, I think I've told the story before, you know, where he, he we fiddled around, nudged a few singles. And I thought, well, he doesn't look much good, 16 year old in a club game. And then suddenly a massive six over long on and finished the game. And I think he's just got that ability to almost kind of completely take any emotion, any previous performances out of the equation. I think he has a very close relationship with Nathan Lehman as well, who's been uh, on his uh, sort of shoulder for most of the IPL as well with the Kolkata Knight Riders and is a very clever uh, strategist and analyst of the game. So the two of them working together to to find the right strategy for England, uh, I'm sure he'll make runs somewhere. He might slide down the order to number seven and become a finisher. But, mate, but that, that's fine. Hmm. Would, would an England side led by Joss Butler in the T20 World Cup be immeasurably worse than a side led by Owen Morgan? Yes, because I think Butler needs all his focus to be on his batting and wicket-keeping, and he doesn't have that extra Midas touch that that Morgan does. I mean, he he's not a, he's. I'm not saying he's a bad captain. I'm sure he's he's perfectly good. He's won matches for, for England as captain you know, a few times, mm. but I'd rather he was concentrated on his batting and Morgan does what he does best. And that is figuring out how to undermine the opposition. Right. England get their campaign underway against uh, West Indies on, on Saturday. It is a repeat of the 2016 final. It's amazing, isn't it? You know, we've had, we have so much T20 and we haven't had a tournament for five years. We're going to get two in two mind. Uh, they're going to make, they're going to make up for it. England, West Indies. It's, it's a mouthwatering prospect. Let's just have a look at who we think might win the tournament. Is it is it wide open? Uh, we uh, asked that question of NASA. Is it wide open? Or when it comes down to and push comes to shove, are we really talking about two or three three sides that, that can win this tournament? Yeah, you put you are talking about two or three sides, but which one of those uh, three sides is really hard to say. I mean, I, I so who I'm are the gonna, two or three sides, and who are the two? Well, or three India sides? definitely. India yeah. clearly are are yeah. the, the, I'd say head and shoulders above anyone else because of, of a couple of reasons. I think their batsmen are very versatile. Mm. Uh, I think you know the way they bat in these conditions. It's not just go and bludgeon it. They have players with wrists and, you know, sort of stroke players like Rohit Sharma, for instance, it's not just about power. They can mix power and, uh, you know, style and kind of artistry. And those pitches are not the easiest, actually. So it's good to have a balance there of some people who can whack it out the park, like Hardik Pandya and and Kishan, and and some who can play a more kind of uh, controlled innings, but still affluent innings. Uh, they've, they've got excellent spinners who are really good at exploiting the conditions, uh, as we've seen already with Jadeja and, and Ashwin and a couple of, and you know leg spinners as well. And but they've got Jasper Bumra, who for me is the best T20 bowler in the world, if not all format bowler in the world. And he's just got this ability to, to under you know get the openers out with the new ball then bowl in the middle and bowl brilliantly at the death. So, you know, they've got all bases covered, India. Uh, I think in England's death bowling is still a little bit 
fragile without Joffre, although I think Tim Al Mills is a, an excellent addition. Uh, but like, I still don't tile, entirely trust the likes of Jordan, um, you know, Tom Curran, if he plays, uh, Mark Wood. You know, they're not really death bowls. Chris, Chris Wokes is pretty good. But, you know, I, and uh, so, so that's that issue. Um, obviously, England's batting is, is immense. So I just think, you know, India have got that sort of extra ingredient of sort of all-round ability. And then a third one, well, I'm looking at Australia or New Zealand, really. I, I don't think the West Indies have got quite enough versatility with the ball or quality with the ball. And their batting has sort of gone off a bit, hasn't it? They're, they're still a big tournament team, but their batting sort of dipped a bit. Uh, so I think Australia and, and New Zealand, and maybe Pakistan will come into the mix. It's unpredictable. Uh, but I sort of feel probably Australia, India and England are the, are the, are the favourites. Oh, that's interesting, because I would have gone for um, Pakistan ahead of Australia. Would you? In fact, I, I am going to go for Pakistan okay. ahead of Australia. I mean, we can all be shot down in, you know, in the next uh, few weeks. It, it's T20. There's, you know, there is that volatility about it I, I just feel with Pakistan they they know the conditions they played in the UAE a lot it's like a second home to them I, mean, I think they they're, they're well suited to to T20 and I I I think they could do well in this this, this tournament I, hmm. I I would I think they're going to be semi-finalists and I think they if England were to qualify against them say I think they would be dangerous opponents for England in a, in a semi-final so I though okay I I don't I got a feeling that England are not going to do quite as well as everyone's mm. expecting them. I, yeah. and, the, and the reason for that is their bowling. I think their bowling is a little bit vulnerable. I really hope Timal uh, makes an impact. I, I mean, I, you know, we. What I, you I mean, work, BBC's Timal? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've worked <laughs> with Timal a bit, and I know some of the things that he's gone through. I'm not that close to, him, but I know some of the things he's gone through. You know, with injuries, and he, you know, he's even though he's only playing only playing T20 and so therefore the stress on his body is not quite as great as he was playing throughout a whole season of 50 over cricket and red ball cricket I you know I know he's had lots of injuries and he's had to fight hard it's great actually to see him you know get himself fit bowl well in the hundred as he did and get in England squad so I hope he does well but I just I just feel like you that there's some vulnerabilities in in England's attack and it and the, the spin department I think is okay but it's not perhaps quite strong well it's not as strong as as India so I, I just mm. I'm just slightly concerned by England I know they I mean they're a, they can be an exciting side to watch I just wonder whether they got in them to win a T20 World Cup I can you can see them doing well in a, in a 50 over competition but in a T20 World Cup I'm, I'm not so sure anyway well I'm, I'm there to be you know shot down in four weeks time and if they're lifting the trophy or three weeks time whatever it is 14th of november they're lifting the trophy then everyone can say yabu sucks but so i yeah i've india clearly got a great chance pakistan i, I think it got a, a, a decent chance and i thought put england sort of third in, in a way mm. um and then yeah but then you know who knows probably new zealand lifting the trophy in a few <laughs> weeks time, you know or, or, yeah. or the west indies I, I don't fancy australia actually i really don't fancy them but, yeah. I think that maybe, I mean, I know what you mean. It, it, they were looking really good a year ago. I mean, watching the Big Bash a year ago, we both covered quite a lot of the Big Bash and there was some real talent um, sort of emerging, but it hasn't really kicked on some of it. And um, they're probably still a bit reliant on Mitchell Stark and Pat Cummins. I mean, Hazelwood as well. You know, that those three bowlers are obviously top class and Zampa. Uh, I think their bowling is pretty good, actually, but their batting hasn't kind of quite flourished of late so I, I i see what you mean but 
I kind of think they'll they'll rise to the occasion. And you know, talking of Pakistan, is India v Pakistan on Sunday, isn't yeah. it? So we'll see. Uh, we'll, there'll be some bragging rights after that game. Exciting. Yeah, and then normally normally in world tournaments, it's, it it seems it's India who come out on top. Of course, they didn't in the two thousand and seventeen Champions Trophy final. That you know, one of the most incredible cricket matches I think I've ever seen. With you know Pakistan winning a final against a very strong Indian team by a hundred and eighty runs. I mean, a hundred and eighty runs. It was just an incredible day at the Oval. There, there, yeah, there's a lot of talent. You know, in in you know in in the teams that are, are going to be competing in the next few weeks. So. If you have a good run out, you get a fair wind. You know you can you can make significant progress in the tournament. West Indies winning last time uh, illustrated that. So you know, they, and I wouldn't totally rule out West Indies either because of their power game on on slow pitches. That you know that might be a a factor. But I, mm. if you had to tie me down, I would say yeah, India, Pakistan, yeah. Poss- possibly England. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll, I'll go along with that. I, I just think Australia might sneak in there, and uh, I think India will win it. Not least because they'll be stung by not winning that World Test Championship, having topped the table, and New Zealand came in and stole it from under their noses. Um, I think Coley will be driven to 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 uh, to win this trophy. Which I'm trying to think they they won it, of course, the first time in 2007, which yeah. was a transformative moment for Indian cricket because it was the year before the IPL started, and it really sort of basically kick it it, it 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 was the fireworks of the fuse in a way that lit yeah. the fireworks of of the IPL um they haven't quite sort of shone on in it since so it's tight they're due i think and they have got an incre- incredibly good squad well they could almost put two teams in the competition and, and both those teams would be competitive it seems to me so therefore guys we're all looking forward to on the 14th of november a south africa sri lanka <laughs> final then <laughs> Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, and the beauty of T20, of course, is that it's it's impossible to predict. Uh, you know, one innings of 20 off four balls, as we saw with Carlos Brathwaite, can change the game. So uh, it's it's all to play for and all, all sorts of things can happen. Carlos Brathwaite, no more, of course. He's more famous now for commentary than he is for cricket. Yeah, yeah we all remember that name. I, you know, whose name are we going to remember by the 14th of November in this competition, I wonder? Mm. Well, yeah, and and you'll be commentating, I presume, won't you, on some of the games? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to doing something. Yeah, Afghanistan against Pakistan. I'm doing next week one of the games I'm doing next week, which I'm you know re- really looking forward to. You know, w- I wonder whether Afghanistan can you know make some progress in the competition. They didn't in the World Cup in England in 2019. You know, lots of people sort of punted them beforehand, but they actually had quite a disappointing time. But but you, you're right about the, the shorter nature of the game. You know, probably suits them a bit more, certainly in terms of of causing an upset anyway. So yeah, Af- Afghanistan are in there. Um, England are going to be, England are going to, not going to be playing Scotland. And of course, the last time those two teams met, uh, Scotland won uh, in Edinburgh before England became... Yeah, so Bangladesh are the the, the, the other team that we know are in yeah. England's group now. Yeah. Yeah. And we wait to see what happens on, on Friday. So uh, in the final group uh, more qualifying group matches anyway saturday is is the big day for england against the west indies in dubai it starts at 3 p.m english time and we'll uh, look back at the tournament uh, after england have played a couple of games in midweek next week when we'll also have another guest in the virtual cricket club you can go to worldsbestcricketclub.com to join us and ask direct questions to our special guest I'll announce over the weekend who that's going to be. There'll be memorabilia to win 
as well. And of course, it's all in aid of the Professional Cricketers Trust. So please join us at worldsbestcricketclub.com for another event next Wednesday. And we'll be back with you soon after that as well. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye for now. Don't take our predictions too seriously. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.